Welcome to the Albany Horror Stories. Now welcome your host, Jenny Polly, and his lovely wife Tracy. I hear she's a lovely girl. <laughs> Could we start off a show about Marie Laveau? Hey, hey I'm rhyming. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Without playing a little Jimi Hendrix voodoo child. Um, welcome, everybody, to this edition of Hillbilly Horror Story. We screwed it up last week. Uh, this is actually episode 27, not 26, like we, where we said it was 27 last week, but that was 26. So, yeah. This is 27. Yay for 27. Which is kind of funny that we would start off with Jimi Hendrix since he's a member of the 27 Club. Oh, you planned that, didn't you? Absolutely not. Anyways, (laughs) I thought it was kind of funny. Uh, Most of you who will probably, that kind of dive into the the supernatural, will know who Marie Laveau is. She is the most famous voodoo priestess uh, from New Orleans that, um, you know, she's in so many different things, TV shows and books as a fictional character. Uh, For example, if any of you watch American Horror Stories, which, judging by the numbers, I know a lot of you do, for The Witch's Coven, she was uh, heavily played in in that, in most of the storylines, as, you know, a a voodoo priestess that had everlasting life, and she'd lived for hundreds of years and and all that. Um, That's kind of a bullshit way of doing stuff, because, you know, that's not really the way she was. But we're going to shed some light on who the real Marie Laveau is. Was or she'd be a crazy mofo? Hey, look, I rhyme too. <sighs> Anyways, um, you're gonna find out more about Marie Laveau than you probably care to, but <laughs> uh, we like to be thorough on the show. But we, we've got a cool show lined up because we're gonna do we're gonna do Marie Laveau, we're gonna talk about another voodoo priestess that you may not have heard about, Belle Biv DeVoe. There's not Belle Biv DeVoe, oh. it is Julia Brown. And, now, she's a crazy mofo. Yeah, and uh, you're going to love this story. Then I've got a young lady who um, is going to, she does an interview with us. It's about 20 minutes, and she talks about voodoo, what voodoo really is. See, most people, when they see, think voodoo, they think about what they see on the TV shows, you know, the the um, witch doctors and the dolls that everybody's sticking needles in and curses, and that's not really what voodoo is. I mean, there's some of that like anything else. But for the most part, voodoo is more like a Wiccan-type religion. And most people know what Wiccans are. They, it's more of a natural, spiritual, the earth, the wind, the fire, that type of thing. And voodoo is more along that lines. And But I talked to a young lady that knows a lot about um, the actual Haitian and African voodoo. And then the New Orleans voodoo, which is a spinoff of that that was brought here by the slaves and they kind of had their own little twist to it where they threw a little Catholicism and some other um, uh, Christianity into it and made a blend of it. But uh, Santeria, we've talked about Santeria before, not the uh, the song, mm-hmm. but uh, the actual religion when we talked about Robert the Doll because that's what the Jamaicans practice, which is, you know, a similar style. So we're going to talk to her and, and she gives us some awesome definitions and talks to us about some differences. I think you're really going to enjoy that. So what we'll do is we'll talk about Marie. We'll talk about Julia. We'll do the interview. And then we will uh, have another little story for you for our Hispanic listeners, especially. 
we're going to talk about La Llorona. And I know y'all probably think, haven't you already talked about that? Because we've mentioned it, I think, 364 times to be exact. But we've not actually done the story yet because we were going to do it on Shorts and Giggles. And you know we canceled that. So Boo. thanks to you three people who actually watched the show. <laughs> so uh, I thought I'd start off by playing a song about Marie Laveau. Just a couple minutes of it or a couple seconds. We're not going to play the whole song. But... It was by a man named Bobby Bear, and most of you will know him, well, the older people. If you're under 40, you probably won't know. But he was the guy that did the the, uh, the CB songs back in the day. Breaker, breaker. Yeah, he buddy. used to do Back when Smoking a Bandit first came out, all these CB songs were real big. And he did one sad song called Teddy Bear, where he basically just talked the whole time. Kind of like rap, but on slow speed. <laughs> and, uh, With a twang. I'm going to play a, a second of that for you real quick. The most famous of all the voodoo queens that ever existed is uh, Marie Laveau down in Louisiana. There's a lot of weird, ungodly tales about Marie. She's supposed to have a lot of magic potions and spells and curses. Down in Louisiana where the black trees grow lives a voodoo lady named Marie Laveau. She got a black cat tooth and a mojo bone. Anyone who wouldn't leave her alone, she go. Another man done gone. She lives in a... How about that for a uh, jazzed up song? Heck yeah. <laughs> so let's let's jump into this because we got a lot to cover tonight. Uh, so we're not going to waste a lot of time. Of course, we'll do some shout outs and stuff at the end. But let's talk a little bit about Marie Catherine Laveau. Now, this is going to get very tricky because you're going to find during this story that there's actually a couple or three or four Marie Laveaux. So we're going to start with what we do know. We do know that the original Marie Laveau, we will call her Marie number one, Mm -hmm. number one and number two. Marie number one was born in 1801 and she died in 1881. Now, there's also Marie number two, which is her daughter. Her daughter was born in 1827, and she passed away in 1862. Now, Marie was more of a practitioner, Marie one. Mm-hmm. She was more of a practitioner. I mean, she was a true... Hands-on. Hands-on, everything that voodoo was taught, uh, as, as it was taught to her by Dr. John, which we'll talk about in a little bit. She took that to heart, and she just, you know, she was a true believer now, Marie number two, which is her daughter, she practiced root work and uh, conjure uh, Native American spiritualism as well as New Orleans voodoo, which I told you we'll, we'll learn a little more about New Orleans style voodoo a little bit later. In 1874, as many as 12,000 people would show up at St. John's Eve, which is June 23rd and 24th, to see some of these ceremonies that they would put on. Mm-hmm. Now, primarily these ceremonies were put on by Marie Two. Okay, so you're saying Marie Two did most of the um, not hands-on, but for entertainment purposes. Well, the the big the big uh, show type things. Okay. that's what Marie Two did. Okay. Uh, in the '60s, Marie One actually stopped practicing because she became ill. She got sick, didn't she? And yeah, and she had her her, um, her youngest daughter, also Marie. Uh, actually took care of her up until about the time that she passed away because she was bedridden for the last like several years of her years, life. Yeah. yeah. So, like I said, Marie Two died in 1962. Uh, Marie I retired in the 60s. And Marie Two, there was another Marie Two. This is, <laughs> I know this is going to sound very confusing, but there was another Marie Two that took over in the 1870s 
after Marie Tu, the real Marie Tu, died. And uh, she wasn't even uh, related to them in any way. Hmm. She was just, but she was a part of the group. There's really not a whole lot that was known about the whole group. Um, but so let's learn a little bit about Marie One. That's who we're going to focus on. Marie was born a free woman of color in the French Quarter on, on September 10th of 1801. She was the daughter of a free woman of color and a Native American and a French descent. So this, her mom had, uh, you know, three different mixes in her. And the dad was, uh, his name was Charles, Charles Laveau. He actually had French and African in him. Mm -hmm. And there's, once again, this is so confusing, but supposedly her dad's name was Charles Laveau and he was an African man that was of French descent. Mm -hmm. But a lot of rumors will say that she actually was the, um, daughter of a, her, a master and a slave that they say that she was her mom was a slave mm-hmm. and that he her dad was actually one of the plantation owners mm-hmm. in louisiana but that's not been documented to most people this is the story it is so she actually was um she was a third native american a third white and a third african so she was she actually had a decent amount of white in her she actually as far as uh, most people think marie laveau was is like a hundred percent African or black. And she actually was only a third black. Oh, wow. That's interesting. Uh, yep. So in 1819, uh, she married a guy named uh, Jacques Perry. Jacques. Like it, Jacques Perry. And uh, he was a French immigrant, but he actually passed away like a year later. Oh, no. Yeah. And I don't know why. So before you ask me. Their, well, maybe they put a voodoo spell on them. Their marriage certificate was actually in, um, this is before she was really into the voodoo, but oh. the, the marriage certificate is actually in uh, St. Louis Cathedral still. Oh, that's so yeah. cool. So, Let's go there and look. Awesome. Um, <laughs> you don't want to? I have no reason to go to New Orleans. That is a... Okay. It's a fun place. Okay, great. She had two kids that lived to adulthood. Both of them were named Marie. Um one of them was obviously Marie Laveau II. The other one was Marie uh, Philomene. Okay, all I'm saying is there's a thousand bazillion girl names out there. Why you got to keep repeating? I have no idea. Okay. But she obviously liked the name. Apparently. It's, uh, it's believed that Marie was a liquor importer. That was the only job that anybody could really put to her as she imported liquor. But <laughs> I didn't see that one coming. But I don't know why. She also... When she got a little bit later in life, she became a hairdresser to the kind of the rich and famous oh, of of New Orleans. Nice. And that's going to come into a little bit of time. And if you watch the Witch's Coven on um, American Horror Story, that's what she did. And that was she ran a hair salon. Oh, my gosh. So I guess that's that's kind of where they got that's that. That's cool. Now, later in life, she met a, uh, a guy. This is a long name, but I'm going to try it. And we're going to shorten this for us. But it's Luis Christophe Dominic Dumini. De Galapon. Now, see, there is no reason for all that many names. Yeah. But most people just know him as Christoph to his friends. That's what we'll call him as Christoph. But they became a common law husband and wife. Um, so they never were actually married. But that's kind of how she chose to live her life. And they were very both big into the, the voodoo um, together. So a lot of these spells and stuff like that they would do together. Oh, well, that's kind of fun, like how we do our show. Yep. That's cool. Yep. Yep, kind of. People leave and put the show and they have like a dark <laughs> image over them and they just feel like just, you know, oh. getting in the tub and taking a bath. Yeah, that's pretty much the same. 
Marie, so Marie also ran a house for unwed expected mothers. And, uh, oh, that's really she, nice. She would set up adoptions and stuff like that. Well, a lot of people thought that she was running like a um, whorehouse. Aww. That's what they thought it was. Oh, but she was really doing a yeah, good deed. Yeah, she was actually doing a good deed. So these people would come in, and when the babies were born, she would set up adoptions with um, people that, that actually had good homes to send Very these kids cool. to. Very yeah. cool. Way to go. In the 18s and the 20s and 30s, she worked as a matchmaker at a, at these... They were, there was a very popular balls. They were called uh, Plasage Balls, I believe. Is the, it could be, <laughs> That's a name. It could one. be Plackage, but it um, looks like it's Plasage Balls. And what would happen at these balls is, it's kind of funny, White rich white men would come there to meet black women mm-hmm. that they could they, they could then set up with like a little home. And if they had kids and stuff with them, they would kind of be set up so they wouldn't know because it was obviously back then it was more of an embarrassment. You didn't, that's not something you did. Oh. So it's something to be ashamed of. So she would actually set up these situations where she would match a man mm-hmm. with the woman and then help them get set up in a home with any kids and stuff they would have so mm-hmm. the guys could come see them, whatever, but nobody would know what was going on. Okay, so see, she was the starter of eHarmony, not that old fart. Yeah. E, uh, e, uh, who do e. <laughs> <laughs> who do we? <laughs> so let, let's talk a little bit about her growing up now how did voodoo let's say how did voodoo get started how did how did she get involved in all this well voodoo was actually brought here on the ships the slave ships um to louisiana so you know they they knew which plants would heal which which could bring sickness hallucinations and death that's that's basically where it You'll learn later when we have our interview with Michelle Hill that voodoo is more of a medicinal thing as as it came from Africa and Haiti. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was more witch doctors and medicine men, that type of thing. We need more of that today. Probably. Um, don't make me play the chipmunks again. Oh, no. That would be so fun. But seriously. <laughs> How funny is that we could have played that song on like three different episodes? <clears throat> I know. We didn't know. Well, we had to. You got to play Jimi Hendrix when well, it comes to voodoo. Well, of course. Um, so, you know, this, the voodoo came over here, and when the slaves got here, they were automatically baptized into Catholicism. They didn't have a choice. And they found out that when they were, were learning about Catholicism, that there was a lot of parallels into their own belief systems and into the, uh, in conjunction with their own religion practices. Um, that involved naturalism and spiritualism and herbalism. Uh, voodoo practitioners would create these amulets that people would hang around their necks and it would have the power to heal and these things you know playing drums and stuff like there was music in the church mm-hmm. so there was a lot of similarities and they just decided that that uh that really wasn't a bad thing and that's how the the as you'll learn a little bit later that's how the voodoo from new orleans is different than the voodoo because it started you know as basically these people were catholics and mm-hmm. and you're going to find the most cool thing is in New Orleans, people were Catholics, and they also studied voodoo at the same time. They would come to Mass on Sundays and then meet in Congo Square later that night, which is where a lot of the free uh, the slaves and a lot of the free blacks and white people would mm-hmm. actually show up for this voodoo in Congo Square at nighttime after they went to Mass that morning. Oh, so wow. they actually would, would use both of them. So there's, there's many legends on Marie Laveau. It said that she had the power to get people elected to City Hall or get them voted out. She had a lot of connections. And some people say this is because of the um, hairdressing 
you know, yeah, because yeah. she was in she with was so in with many. The upper class. Yeah, she was in with the upper class, so she heard all the rumors. Because you know how women like to gabble when they go well, to the you hairdresser. Know what? We got to tell our story out there now. So you know, they think some people thought that's how she got a lot of connections. So there was always some questions about: Did she have magic powers, mm-hmm. or did she just know so many people? She just had the ability to get stuff done. So some of the other things are: Is she nurtured the sick? Uh, through many of the epidemics. So a lot of these plagues and stuff came through, and, yeah. and she helped heal people from that. Good for her. She stood at the gallows and would give ministry to the people that were condemned, getting ready to be hung. And she was also accused of the death of a lieutenant governor and a governor. What do you mean? What do you mean? I don't know. I mean, they died, and I guess they assumed she had something to do with it because rumors were spreading that, you know, I don't know what the stories are behind that, if there was some, some bad blood between them or, or what the situation was. But... I kind of feel like I would like to have some kind of power like that. Not to kill people, not at all, but like to heal people and things like that. Well, I mean, you can you get used to give the kids like Advil and stuff. That's kind of the same. Robitussin. You have the power. It's at your Walmart supermarket. Oh, I want to use herbs and roots. I got root beer downstairs. Twigs. Yeah. Hey, I got the stuff to do roots on my roots on my hair. That's not the same thing. Anyway, there was a lot of people that actually condemned her as being a witch, but others praised her for as being a saint. So yeah. she really did divide a lot of lines. She also supposedly had a snake named Zombie cool. that was named after an African god. Oh, cool, man. So I don't know if she actually had a snake or not. but that's I don't what know. The... I feel like I really like her. <laughs> Seriously. Well, she developed a relationship with the, the priest of the New Orleans Catholic Church, uh, St. Louis Cathedral, and he would let her do something that was unheard of. What? He would actually let her use the church and the altar to practice voodoo <gasps> when it wasn't a regular mass day. No. That's how, so you were, you know, so she was both Catholic and a, and a, and a voodoo believer, just yeah. like a lot of the people. Man, that's something there now. Now we've talked about Congo Square. Congo Square is also where she met Dr. John. And you've, you've probably heard of Dr. John, like the, the musician, yes. Dr. John and mm-hmm. blah, 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 blah. Um, Dr. John was actually a famous voodoo priest, and he supposedly showed her everything he knew about voodoo, uh, how to make grigri. Now, grigri, um, I guess the best way to put it, it would be, and you're going to hear Michelle call this, a, uh, I think, a medicine bottle. But grigri, you know the little sachets that you yeah. like hang from your, your windows Window. and mm-hmm. stuff, mirror or, or mirror that has like smell good stuff, or what yeah. have you. They would make little bags like that you would hang around your head. Uh, like a necklace or something. And it would basically, it would have anything from starch to dried beans to metal filings to even animal skins. And they would ask the voodoo spirit to give it a certain power. You would wear it over your neck, much like Christians would wear like a crucifix or, you know, I think Christopher's medal or something like that. Or like garlic when the vampires or whatever are coming to get you? I think, yeah, I guess technically it's the same thing. I mean, seriously? Like that? That's technically the same thing. So what it would do, if you were trying to get pregnant, you would get him to make something that, you know, and it wasn't so much what was inside of it, it was the intent, whatever the blessing was. So they would ask the spirits, the voodoo spirits, to bless, basically, this grigri, and then they would give it to you, and you would wear it until whenever. If you were trying to get mm-hmm. pregnant, you would wear it till you got pregnant, uh, and then you would go bury it, and... What's you know, that mean? It's just part of the ceremony. Because what happens is when you when you ask the voodoo priest or priestess for something, you have to give up part of your soul as 
a um, uh, I guess like a uh, like a what would you call it? Like in return, it's just something yeah. to say, like a good faith thing. You know, you give me what I want, I'll give you a little bit of what I want. And these medicine men, they would also have to give up a little bit of their stuff, their little bit of their soul. You know what I just realized? That the darlings on the Andy <laughs> Griffith show, they must have been into that kind of stuff. Only you could have somehow well, tied you know it what? Andy Griffith show. I know, but listen, that one episode where she was burying the something in the ground, the thing of an owl and the something of the something. Well, with those things, I mean... You think it's just more mountain folklore or something? There's legends about that kind of stuff everywhere. Oh. Everybody's got their own little legends. I just, this just made me think of that and wonder, man, if that, wonder if that's that what they believed. But she would sell this Grigri out of her house and actually did pretty good. Um, now, here's the... the I think the most awesome legend story about Marie Laveau. This is the one that I thought was the coolest. In, in 1830, a wealthy man, his son was on trial for murder. Mm-hmm. And the lawyer said, look, it's hopeless. He's not getting out of this. And back then, you know, you're, you're going to die if you get convicted of, of murder. Right. So he uh, talked to Marie and he said, look, here's what I'll do. If you can somehow get him off, mm-hmm. I will give you a house. Just like a house. A whole house. Oh, cool. And so what she did, she got these three guinea peppers, which were like super hot peppers. Oh. Uh-huh. And she would go during, she would go to the church, mm-hmm. and she would take these three peppers, and she'd put them in her mouth. All at once? And she would hold them in her mouth for several hours. And this was excruciating pain. Holy crap. But, see, the the... They believed that the spirits of voodoo, the um, the gods, so to speak, mm-hmm. or the spirits, they believe that if you're willing to suffer, they mm-hmm. take pity on people who suffer. And if you're willing to suffer for something, for something or somebody, then they're more apt to grant it to you. Oh my gosh! What if she did all that for nothing? Well, she took it. She took the peppers the day of the church uh, or the day of the trial. And she took these peppers and she put them stuck into the courtroom mm-hmm. and she put them under the judge's seat that morning. And then, <laughs> well, well not, no, he's not going to sit on it. It's not like oh. a whoopee cushion. It's oh. like under, like on the floor. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> not well, on the seat. He's going to be having hot patooties. <laughs> so that day, the judge actually found in her favor or oh. found the guy's favor and they released him. And then the guy gave him a house, gave oh. her a house. Awesome. Um, so it depends on who you... You know, were the spirits really kind to her? Is that really what happened? What judge you got? Or was it the fact that she knew the judge, which is what some people say. Yeah. Once again, it goes back to the how well connected she may have been. Now, Marie, she died. Mm-hmm. And she's buried in St. Louis Cemetery Number 1. And that's, not surprisingly, the most haunted cemetery in America. Of course, you know they got the tombs and stuff that are above ground because they're below sea level so they can't bury people everything's above ground i didn't know that yeah everything in new orleans has to be above ground that's why you see all the mausoleums and stuff well i mean i guess that makes sense when you think about it but i never knew that yeah so if there's you know if there's hurricanes and stuff and yeah. you're buried below you're, pro- you're it's probably, probably gonna, gonna wash up, up. Yeah. oh man that's and terrible. that's what happened which is in the past that's why they did that mm-hmm. but you can go to her grave and there's no name on it. You just have to know which one's hers. And you can find it easy because there's X's all over it. I was going to say, is there like a number on it or no, something? No, there's like X's all over it. And the reason being, you can take stuff there. People still, to this day, they'll take, like if they're wanting to get pregnant, they'll take condoms there. or get they'll take here. Or they'll take um, uh, dolls up there. They'll take flowers and candles and stuff. And they'll make their wish. And then what they do is if the wish comes true, mm-hmm. then they come back and they put three X's 
on the tomb to show that their wish was granted. So I wonder how many X's are on it. I don't know. Oh my gosh. That's <laughs> the strangest question. Well, <laughs> I mean, I ask, <laughs> I'm asking that for a reason. Because if there's all these X's, then it really is working. Well, right? I guess I guess to a certain extent. Yeah. Or, you know, they could be asking for, oh, I wish I had a Mountain Dew. And then, hey, I went to Super America and there was a Mountain Dew. I mean, <laughs> I'm going to put three X's up there. Well, that's true. Now, that would be dumb. The, a funny story. I don't. It's not really all that funny, but there's a there's a band named the Misfits. They're a punk rock band, and they go mm-hmm. kind of go back to the '80s, early '90s. They actually got arrested in 1982 at a cemetery in New Orleans after a show for trying to uh, find her tomb. And they were. It was funny because the band that they were actually performing with was called the Necros, which was short for Necrophiliacs, which is sex with dead people. Ew. So they, this, they had like 14 people and some fans and all that that all got, got arrested. And here they are running around a cemetery at 1, 2 o'clock in the morning. And they're wearing shirts that say Necros. I can't imagine that, that would have went over well. No, I can't imagine that either. And that's just sick. So that right there wraps up. Our section on Marie Laveau. Well, you know, I have a whole other uh, way of looking at her now, actually. I do. I think she's pretty nice. She's definitely... uh, She wasn't an evil person. Yeah, she didn't sound like she was at all. No, she she may not have been as magical as people believe. Yeah. But she had a lot of connections, and she Mm -hmm. made things happen. Well, good for her. Now, on the other hand, Uh we get to talk about Julia Brown. Now, everybody has heard of Marie Laveau. Very few of you have probably heard of Julia Brown, or as the people of Frenier, Louisiana, called her Aunt, Aunt Julia Brown. Um, wow, I don't even know where to start on this one. So we'll start in 1915. That is the day of her funeral, and they had a horrible, one of the worst, one of the sixth worst hurricanes in, in Louisiana history come through that day. Why is that important? Because we're going to go back a little bit. Frenier is a place in Louisiana that is a lake on one side. Lake, what is it? Puncha? Pun- Puncha pun- something. Puncharello, I think. No, it it's not Puncharello. What is it? Puncha. Pun- if you can say it as many times as well, you want, I still don't know what's his name part. sung about it? Uh, oh, I don't lake. know. Puncha Tawaki or something. No, no, no. Oh, no, that's the wrong story. That's, oh, hey, my God. Puncha train. Puncha train. I don't know what it is. I'm sorry, it's, but it's, it's going to drive me crazy. It's a lake. It's a lake. It's a lake. Sorry, guys. And there's a swamp on one up. side and a lake on the other, and it was a nice little farming Punch town. Punch a train. <sighs> okay, I'm done. Sorry. There's train tracks on one side. Maybe that's what you're thinking. Can we get on with it? Yes. Can I tell people about Julia Brown? <laughs> yes. I'm sorry, guys. So, she there, in this town, there's hardly any doctors. If you got sick, you had to spend a quarter and go 75 miles up the road. To, and take the train up to Baton Rouge. Okay, great. Uh, or you had to find a way to heal yourself. Mm-hmm. Well, that's where this young lady came in to plan, Julia Brown. She knew how to use the roots. She knew how to use, you know, a bunch of the stuff that grew there. So people started coming to her, and they started paying her. Mm-hmm. And she supposedly came fairly wealthy to the point where she was able to buy a lot of land. But what happened is people started taking her for granted. Instead of having the complete respect that she felt like they should, people kept coming and just then they expected her to start doing stuff for free just because you always have. And it kind of turned her a little sour on a town. Well, I mean, I guess so. So she would stay out on her porch and she would sing a song that creeped people out as they were walking by. 
she would sing a song that basically said, when I die, I'm going to take the whole town with me. And people were like, what the hell does that mean? Is, I yeah. mean, is that a prophecy or is that a threat or I'm not sure. Do we have that song? Um, actually, I do. So let me uh, let me track it down real quick. Legend has it, she would sit on her porch and she would sing these strange little songs. But one song in particular that she sang over and over again contained lyrics that said something about when she died, she was going to take the whole town with her. I'll take the whole town with me when I die. <laughs> and she'd laugh. That's some spooky stuff right there. Yeah. Because you don't know if that laugh at the end, it sounded pretty evil to me. So I don't know if I'd know how to take that either. Well, the thing of it is, is the, is the people around there, they really looked at her as somebody that could help her, but they were still always a little spooked out by her to begin with, mm-hmm. because anybody that can control what she controlled, it just made you a little scared. You were happy that she was there to be able to do stuff, but at the same time, what else was she capable of? Right. And then when she started singing these weird ass, uh, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm going to kill you if carols or whatever they were i mean is that the only thing she ever sang or that apparently, anybody ever heard i guess that's that's apparently the only thing anybody ever heard of course that wasn't actually her that was a well a, i mean I know, that was an still. artist rendition yeah. an artist formerly known as aunt julia aunt julia <laughs> <laughs> but so where does this all come about to in 1915 she died well obviously when she died everybody around in the town of frenier was like, okay, what now? Because she oh, always yeah, sang this she's... creepy-ass song, and oh she God. always said this was going to happen. So they had the funeral. The funeral was at her house. Um, several people showed up to show her respects, and it was all kinds of people, white people, black people, uh, former slaves. Uh, not former slaves, but uh, uh, just people who were uh, workers that were that were free. Uh, but... But I wondered then if they showed up at her house, maybe they were thinking, okay, if she sees that we came to visit, maybe we'll be okay. Well, and I think that was the thinking of uh, let's show our respects and, you know, maybe she'll be okay. Mm -hmm. While they're in the house, this hurricane starts blowing and it blows so hard it blows all the windows and stuff in the house. Mm -hmm. It starts actually demolishing the house. The roof comes off. The walls come down. And before you know it, Everything, including her casket and everything, and this is this actually took place as they were nailing the top of the of the casket on. Oh wow! As they were putting the last nails in, is when all this happened. Um, there was actually only one person from the funeral that survived. He actually got climbed up in a tree, and he watched as everybody else got washed away. The whole city was destroyed. Dang on! Over a third of the city passed away. Over two hundred people passed crazy. away in this storm. So when she said when she dies, she's going to take the whole world or the whole city with her, mm-hmm. she wasn't kidding. She took wow. the whole town with her. For the most part, she took a third of them. Um, so was this just a prophecy? Was she just seen before that that's, that, that was, happened, was going to happen the day she died? Or was that just her being spiteful and causing something right, to happen? Right, right. Oh, my gosh. I mean, nobody really knows what her intentions were yeah. with that song. Was she trying to warn people? You know, so now you got the town of Frenier. This was 100 years ago, 102 years ago. And the town still is basically nothing. It's became all swamp land. Mm-hmm. You can actually take tours down there. And in the middle of the swamp is like a little 
patch of land where there's a cemetery. Mm-hmm. And because there were so many people killed, they were all buried in a mass grave. Oh, wow. And supposedly she's buried there too, but people like to go out there and try to search for her grave. And when they do, uh, it usually turns out pretty bad. I mean, why in the heck would you want to do that? Why? I don't know. I just don't understand people's thinking when they when they do that stuff. I mean, nothing good can come out of it. But they can take you down there on, uh, there's some swamp tours and stuff. They take you out on a boat and they'll take you around and show you the area and show you what's left. But there's only, there's a diner and scattered of houses, you know, but it's nothing like it used to be. And every time that they try to build the town up, another hurricane comes through and crushes it. Oh, my happened goodness. in the 30s. It happened in the 60s. It happened mm-hmm. in the 70s. And now it's, you know, it's happening again. So it's uh, it's just, it's doomed to be cursed. The whole town is never really going to probably be anything. And it's because I don't think she'll allow it. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I, I mean, I don't know if you just can, but I don't think I'd want to stay there. But didn't this one guy try to build a new restaurant or something like that? Well, he's an architect. He built a restaurant and a house. He wanted to start the resurgence. And the restaurant that he built was all up to hurricane specs. It would withhold anything. And him and his wife... Uh, we're, we're staying there. They heard a hurricane was coming. This mm-hmm. was back uh, a couple of years ago, um, 2013, I think. Mm-hmm. And uh, I can't remember which hurricane that was, Hurricane Andrew maybe. But it was coming through, and they decided they were going to stay because they, didn't, they, didn't they, they thought there would just be bad thunderstorms. And it ended up being a hurricane blow through there. And they started hearing all this noise, and they were like, well, the, the house will withhold it. Well, you know, because it was built up pretty high, but this this water, because the, the lake actually overflows, mm-hmm. and there's nowhere for it to go, so it just floods the whole town. And uh, they kept hearing this noise, and they went and looked, and they had these two giant propane tanks that had washed up and were underneath the house. And they oh, were, my gosh. And they were like, if there was one spark, that thing would blow, and they wouldn't make it. So they had to actually had to put life preserver vests on, and they went down and went over to the um, the diner, and that's where they actually stayed because they knew they would be safer over there. But, you know, they're determined to stay, but I don't think there's anybody else willing to build there because... But that's all fine and everything to build your restaurant, but if nobody else's houses can restrain, you know, take that kind of storm and stuff, well, I mean, what's the point? Yeah, and that's kind of where they're at, so it's kind of hard for them to, to do anything. So uh, let's do this. Let me uh, let me play this interview for you from Michelle Hill. It's kind of an awesome thing. And if you wanted to know about voodoo, uh, this thing really is informative. So I learned a lot from it. And uh, I'd studied a little bit, but it's obvious she knows what she's talking about. So you'll see what I mean. Uh, but please welcome uh, my guest. This is Michelle Hill. And uh, she's a pretty cool lady. And uh, I've actually known her for a while. So this actually worked out for me. So um, here comes uh, Michelle Hill telling you about voodoo. All right, we are uh, excited here because we got an actually guest on the phone that's going to talk to us about voodoo as a religion and try to, I guess, dispel some of the beliefs and myths and legends about what most of us think voodoo is. Uh, most of us only know, you know, what you see on TV and the movies and everybody thinks about just, you know, taking voodoo dolls and sticking pins in them and what have you. And it's, it's actually way more then that goes into it and and that's kind of a misnomer so uh please welcome to the phone michelle thanks for coming on and thanks for having me jerry oh it's no problem at all now michelle uh we talked a little bit before this and and you've got quite a bit of knowledge of uh of several religions uh voodoo and uh, it being one but you're a practicing wiccan and uh tell the folks out there how you got to know a lot of your knowledge of uh, some of these other religions, specifically voodoo. All right. Um, I've been a practicing Wiccan for 22 years now. And back about 15 years ago, um, 
I worked with a gentleman who was uh, Haitian, and his religion was voodoo. Uh, his uncle was uh, the wise man from where they actually originated from. Uh, they were part of the Yoruban tribe. And that was their wise man and their quote-unquote medicine man. So uh, when he would be sick and needed any type of health care, he would go to his uncle. And his uncle gave him uh, medicines and things of that effect and also gave him doctor's notes. And at that point in time, it wasn't a religion that uh, my boss at that point had heard of or uh, recognized, for that matter. So when he brought in these doctor's notes from his uncle, who, like I said, was his practitioner, uh, it wasn't widely accepted, and I had to learn about it from that gentleman, about what it all entailed. And from there, I had just pretty much passed the information on to my boss. Uh, being Wiccan, there's a lot of the uh, rites and rituals that we used in magic that tie in very closely with voodoo. Not only New Orleans, Louisiana voodoo, but Haitian voodoo as well. So I've had to learn a lot of that along the way, but I got the basis of what the religion is from uh, first-hand knowledge. So you, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, you've actually got a, a degree to be a mortician, correct? Yes, I actually did go to school to be an embalmer and funeral director, and during the course of my studies, uh, we were required to learn about numerous different religions. Uh, with that being said, there were a lot of uh, people that I was in class with that were interested in voodoo, and the practitioner that we were taking instruction from didn't want to touch on that and kind of scoffed at it. I didn't really recognize it as a religion. So I took it upon myself to spearhead a quote-unquote study group and brought those people over to my home, and we checked out library books, we looked all over the internet, and we actually spoke to a couple locals, and got experience and knowledge that way. Um, because as an embalmer and funeral director, you can't pick and choose the religions of the people that you serve in your community. So we wanted to be well-versed in all that we could. Absolutely. And a lot of people don't realize uh, that, you know, voodoo actually came over when the slaves were coming over from Africa, uh, the voodoo actually came over with them. And then when it got to New Orleans, uh, the Louisiana was kind of a, um, I guess, a little loosey-goosey kind of state. They they allowed a lot more things to go on in other states. And at that point in time, especially in New Orleans, uh, voodoo kind of uh, took on a, a little twist and, and went from African, the African traditional and Haitian style voodoo, it became kind of a New Orleans style voodoo over there. Explain to me some of the differences between Haitian voodoo and New Orleans voodoo. Okay, um, well, Haitian and New Orleans voodoo are both branches off of the, the same religion, um, and that also includes Sayeria. Uh, most people don't realize that either. <laughs> um as far as the Haitian voodoo is concerned, it's a an African diasporic religion, um, meaning that it comes from quite a few different tribes, the, uh, the Fon, the Yoruba, uh, the Congo, um, and they all, like you were saying, they all essentially depended on one another to help survive slavery. Um, so they all banded together to make a, um, a ritual order of sorts. Um, and in that aspect, uh, they... They all, as far as the Haitians are concerned, they all worship um, the Taino, the Rada, uh, the Gide, and the Petwo. Um, as far as uh, the Louisiana, New Orleans is concerned, 
they're a conglomeration of a lot of different religious practices that um, not only include some of the original Haitian voodoo, but also includes a lot of the southern U.S. religions and uh, what is also called hoodoo. Um, the major difference between the two is that uh, Haitian voodoo is a very strict religious um belief system they have an initiation for all of their um their heads so for any of the voodoo priests that you see that uh, are of haitian descent that practice voodoo they have been initiated to that status into the priesthood whereas with new orleans louisiana voodoo it's more of a self-appointed situation uh such as marie laveau she was a self-appointed queen of voodoo uh, there were many priestesses before her, and there have been many after, but all, when it comes to the New Orleans branch, have been self-appointed. Um, as far as the uh, Haitian voodoo is concerned, it is like not only a religion, but people go to their practitioners for health care and guidance. Um, it's not specifically about spells and hexes and things to that effect yes they do take place and it is a part of the religion but that's not the basis of the haitian religion the basis of the haitian religion is to serve their ancestors and the spirits um those spirits uh, the taino the petro the uh, Gide, and the rada um each one of those has specific meanings for the haitian religion now that's not to say that the new orleans don't use they do but as far as the new orleans is concerned their basis is more they deal with a lot of catholic saints and folk magic uh like witch bottles uh wanga mojo bags things with that effect uh, little um poppet dolls uh things with that effect um when someone is looking to become pregnant and they practice the voodoo religion if they lived somewhere where the haitian branch is practiced then they would go and they would ask that priest to bless them and to give them a blessing for their health so that they're able to become pregnant uh, that practitioner may ask them for a lock of their hair and a clipping of a fingernail of the person that they want to become impregnated by and it's not the basis behind it is not the same as what it is for New Orleans voodoo. Um, with the Haitian voodoo, when those spells and things are cast, it's done with the intention of causing good, uh, for asking favor from those spirits. They may call on Dorada specifically to ask for fertility for this woman who is having a hard time conceiving. And so uh, that practitioner may create a witch bottle with the hair and the nail and a few other small things, sulfur, things of that effect, and seal that up, put a blessing on it, and give it to her and tell her to carry it on herself uh, until next full moon. At that point, then she can take it out into the yard and bury it and leave it until she becomes pregnant. Whereas with the New Orleans voodoo, if someone were to go to a practitioner and request help becoming pregnant and they don't necessarily want to go to a regular physician to get any assistance. Um, they would probably still be asked for a lock of hair and probably a piece of fingernail, but then they would also be asked a lot more information. 
and the information that they would be giving is specifically to bend will. Uh, the major difference between the Haitian intent and the New Orleans intent is that generally the New Orleans intent is not as cut and dry. Um, I know you've heard of white magic and black magic and green magic. Um, the Haitians deal strictly with white magic or black magic. There is no in-between. And you will not find a Haitian practitioner that has been initiated into their priesthood that practices black magic. It does not occur. They do practice white magic um, to ask for a favor from the spirits for specific things. Whereas with the New Orleans voodoo, there's a mixture of all types of magic, and the intent is what makes things different. So if that woman comes and she wants to become pregnant and that practitioner is offering their assistance, then they may ask a lot of information about this other person that they're wanting to become impregnated by. That way they can quote-unquote zero in on this person's mojo. That way they're able to draw that person to the woman so that she can become impregnated without a spirit's help. The intent behind the New Orleans is not to ask for her to be healthy enough to become pregnant, but to draw the favor of that person to them so that they can become pregnant. And it's not that it's evil or black magic per se. The major difference between white magic and black magic is specifically the intent. So um, as far as uh, the major differences with the religion itself, um, the New Orleans branch incorporates a lot of the uh, Catholic saints. Uh, Marie Laveau, for example, was actually Catholic. but And she would talk to uh, many of her followers and ask them to go to Mass. But that was not because she believed so much in the quote-unquote God that many Catholics do. It was just simply as a means of keeping their own beliefs quiet. That way, there wasn't a lot of attention drawn to it. Um, like you and many other people have seen, um, mainstream media has made it almost embarrassing for people that practice uh, voodoo or uh, Wiccan, anything that's not considered a mainstream religion. Uh, it, it, they've made a mockery of it in instances, and then others give you a completely incorrect um, view of what it actually is. Uh, I know you've heard a lot about the different um, zombies that have been created in the name of voodoo. That's definitely not something that happens, um, whether it be Haitian or New Orleans, for that matter. Um, it's all with the, the science behind it says that it's almost virtually impossible. However, everyone believes what they believe, and I'm, I would never tell anyone what not to believe. Um, but unfortunately, there's not much that man can do to make that happen. Um, the uh, idea of the zombie that everyone uh, sees on television, that's not what uh, voodoo creates. The zombie that voodoo creates is essentially uh, someone who is in a trance. Uh, they would still be in control of their own body. Uh, it's just they would be in an altered mental state. So it's all of the different types of magic and uh, rituals that are practiced in both Haitian and New Orleans voodoo are specifically done with the intent of pleasing the spirits. 
uh, if they give uh, gifts to these spirits, in uh, whether it be a, a money piece or a piece of food, or for that matter, when you request the aid of one of these spirits, you give a small portion of yourself. And that's also part of the belief system for both. If you go and you request help with something, then you have to offer up a small piece of yourself, just as that practitioner does on your behalf. Uh, with the Haitian voodoo, uh, there are some that uh, offer public rituals and rites, and all of those are always completely free of charge, and they're all with um, the intent of a positive outcome for the community. Um there are uh, some that are called mambos that work specifically for clients. And those that work for clients, they don't draw any type of pay from um, any church or any type of religious sect or anything to that effect. They simply get, uh, get by and make their living from their clients donating things to them. And that's, again, for them to purchase favor with a piece of themselves to the spirits on their behalf. Uh, the New Orleans voodoo practitioners, however, generally uh, make their living like the mambos do. And there is no, since there is no hierarchy within the uh, New Orleans branch, there's no one to draw any type of uh, pension or uh, money from. So it would all be from clients. Wow. I mean, this is it's it's a fascinating subject. I'm so glad we were able to have you on because I think this will open a lot of people's eyes as to uh, what it really is. And it's like I said, it's not always what you see in the movies because the only thing you see in the movies is it's pretty much like an evil religion if you was to base it all on that. And that's not really the case at all. And that's that's uh, why I wanted to have you on so we could kind of um, let some people hear the reality of it and let them make their own decisions and uh, on, on their thought process going forward about voodoo. Yes, definitely. It, it's a very interesting religion and it's, you're, you're very correct. There's a lot of people that um, when they hear that you, uh, you cast spells of any kind, whether you're, you practice voodoo or paganism of any kind, they automatically assume that it's Satanism and Satan has absolutely no place whatsoever in the voodoo religion. It's not something that is part of the religion. That's not to say that there are not individual practitioners who do not participate in that. But that is not a basis, nor is it um, even something that is looked highly upon by voodoo practitioners. So it, there's a lot in, in movies and uh, comic books and things of that effect that people automatically assume that if it's, a not, if it's not a mainstream religion that it's evil. And there's so much more to these religions and there's a lot of information out there to be had. It's very interesting and the more that you read, the more interesting it becomes. There's so many years and so many different types of uh, aspects that you can see about the voodoo religion. From, you know, like I said, there are so many other priestesses that came before Marie Laveau and her husband, uh, Christoph. And even though they were only common law, I mean, she was with him until he passed in 1855. And most people automatically assume that uh, she was a harlot as well as so many others that practice. Simply because they automatically assume that any type of witchcraft or magic always has some type of sexual connotations. And it doesn't. So that's not to say that there aren't some rituals that do uh, look highly upon that. 
However, it's not it's not a huge orgy. That's not the the purpose of any of that. The sexual connotations that go along with specific rites and rituals for not only Wiccan and Voodoo and Santeria, it's there specifically as a means of getting the practitioner and the participants in contact with their most inner self so that they can be the most honest and open themselves up to the spirits so that they can receive the information that the spirits have to give. Michelle, thank you so much for your time. Um, I, I appreciate you coming on, and uh, I think I think the listeners are really going to enjoy this conversation. Well, I really appreciate you having me on, Jerry. Thank you anytime. Thank you, and I'll talk to you soon. Wow, so how about that for some fascinating information about voodoo? Yeah, that's, that was amazing. That's more than you would ever want to know <laughs> or ever need to know for the average person. Yeah. Um, Let's go ahead and get to our last feature of the night. I want to do a couple of shout-outs and everything first uh, before we feature La Llorona. Uh, and it's going to tie in a little bit. Let's First of all, I want to say thank you to Tina Oler in Gilroy, California. And Jess Eppings. She's up in New York. Wendy Drury from uh, Newport uh, Beach, Virginia. And Kayla Elizabeth in Maryland. Awesome, guys. And we're going to end with Lily Rios in L.A. Lily's been absolutely super nice. She sent us a bunch of compliments telling us how she gets stuck in L.A. traffic, and we help her get through her day. So, Oh, that's great. Glad and we could help out there, Lily. Um, and Lily has made it clear, once again, that she's a Hispanic listener. Oh, wonderful. And uh, we've got a couple of listeners out there, obviously, that are Hispanic because they like to let us know since you know me and Ricky made some disparaging comments back in uh, <laughs> the early days of the See, podcast. that was before I came along, so. And so we thought what we'd do is end tonight on La Llorona. La Llorona. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. Yeah. That's. I mean, that's what I thought it was. La until, La Rona. That's what I thought it was until I did some research. Now we actually had. Am I saying that wrong? It's, Is it? It's La Llorona. Llorona. Okay, I just want to make sure I don't mispronounce it. <laughs> but La Llorona is Spanish for the weeping woman. That's Aww. what that means. And we're going to get into why she's a weeping woman. This is actually a Hispanic um, uh, legend that goes back years and years and years. And I've had probably four different listeners send mm-hmm. me this request to hear this. Yeah. So we were going to do it on the Shorts and Giggles, but once again, nobody listened, so we canceled it. I blame all of you. So, uh, <laughs> no sweat off my back. It's, I don't need to be on camera. Trust me, I definitely have a uh, face for radio. Oh, or no, you don't, honey bunny. Anyways, so let's talk about La Llorona. The, the legend goes that she was a very beautiful woman named Maria, but she was also very conceited. She um, was determined that nobody in her town was good enough for her, and she was going to marry a gorgeous, rich guy from another city or town. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty much what she did. She married this great-looking guy. She had a couple of kids, squeezed out a few puppies, you know, that type of thing. The husband, he was one of these guys that worked out of town a lot for, you know, months at a time. Okay, you don't even have to tell me where this story's going to go. <laughs> Heifer. So he goes out of town. He would come back. And it would kind of piss her off that when he came back, he would give all of his attention to the kids. He wanted to see the kids, and he didn't really spend a lot of time with her, and then it was time for him to leave again. And that's kind of frustrating to somebody that's as conceited as she was. Well, yeah. Well, then he comes back one time, and he's got a younger woman with him. Oh, my God. He brought the girl with him? He brings her with her, says, hey, um, basically, this is my new girl now. You're out. What a hoe. 
And uh, he leaves. That's so mean. And she decides she was so pissed off at this that she took the kids and threw them into the river. And by the time she thought about what she had done and tried to run downstream to catch them, they were dead. She couldn't, she couldn't get them. She reached out her arms, but they just weren't weren't to be there. Well, I can't understand. Why is that her first thought? To because do she like was that? conceited, and all she thought about was herself. Okay, but why didn't you just go over to the man, punch that bitch out, and grab his nuts or something? Why you got to throw your kids in the lake? I don't know. I guess that's just terrible. I've thought about throwing my kids in the lake sometimes. Oh, you did? Yeah. Why? They're, you know my kids. Your kids are awesome. Okay. Anyway, so. She realizes what she done, and then she's heartbroken. I'm sure she lays down at the at the uh, rocks right on the kind of the not beach, but you yeah. know right there on the shoreline. And she lays there, and she dies a sad, Aww. long, painful death because she just basically starves to death. Oh my god! She never left. She never left. And uh, a few days later. Somebody walks by, they see her body, they find out she's dead, obviously, and they bury her right there. That's the saddest thing I've ever heard. You've heard sadder. Well, that's just heartbreaking. I told you that my mom died. That's not sadder than hearing about some woman that didn't even really exist. Well, now, of course I learn more about you every day. Ugh. Every day. That's the saddest story I've ever heard. I'm sorry. Anyways, so the first night that she's buried... People had came down there, and they said they could see a woman in a long white robe walking along the beach, and she was crying, and she was saying something in Spanish. Would you like to give a shot as to what she was saying? Yes, I would love to. Donde esta mijitos? And what does that mean? It means, where are my children? And why was she saying that? Because the legend has it, that when she got to the pearly gates, why are they pearly gates? Who knows that they're made out of pearl? Because that's my mommy's name. That's your birthstone also. And it's beautiful. Did you know that? Yes, I did. Okay. Because I would have thought that was the first thing you would have said is that's my birthstone. No, I think about mommy first. No, you didn't think about my mommy. I'm sorry. La Llorona was more important. I'm Anyways, so, sorry. so she's got to the pearly gates and she was basically told that she could not get in until she redeemed herself by going and finding her children. Wow. So she was doomed pretty much to walk the shorelines mm. of lakes and rivers and yeah. streams and in constant search of her children. Now, parents would actually use this back in the day. Like if people just use that when they don't know a date. Back yeah, in the back day. back in the day, yeah. Parents would use this to scare their kids to, oh keep, up, to keep them from going out after dark. They that would, is terrible. Basically, I used to do that to my kids. That's terrible. I'd take them to a haunted house at Halloween time and scare the shit out of them. And then for like three months after that, all I have to do is threaten, threaten them. You want to go back to that house? Mm. That's. But, you know, the other mean six, seven daddy. months, I was kind of, you know, screwed. But for three or four months after, I was good. I cannot even imagine doing that. So they would, parents would tell their kids, hey, if you go out there, then La Llorona may snatch you up. As her own. Because that's what the story would be, is she would snatch up kids that were out mm-hmm. and take them down and drown them, just like she did her own no, kids. No, she didn't. Hoping that it would replace her kids. No, she really did that? Yes. Like, she seriously did that? This is not a real person, Tracy. This is a myth. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> 
So I'm get all worked up. I was like, man. Now, the other two people we talked about were real people. She's not real. She's, oh. a, she's a legend. She's a Hispanic legend. Aw. But that's the story. That's so sad. That's really, really sad. But what a dummy. Why would you throw your kid? I still can't get over that. Well, that's because you're a mother. <clears throat> Most dads could probably understand it. Oh, you could not. <laughs> So that is our story, and that pretty much wraps up tonight's show. Uh, we want to thank everybody again for listening. You guys asked for longer shows, and guess what? We're sitting in an hour on this one. It was an hour on the last one, so that's what we're going to try to do. We're going to try to give you some of these uh, little shows to be able to, a bunch of different subjects that kind of tie in together. So that's pretty much it. Yeah, We've got, it's hot uh, as balls in here again today. Yeah. It was like in the 70s almost today, guys, and it's like glorious, but now it's hot. Yeah, it should be like 30 degrees here. Yeah. But, so we're, we'll take what we can get. Heck yeah. But as far as um, a couple of just things we always like to end on, thank you guys once again for listening. We had a record number of listeners again this week. Uh, we've already beat what last week's total was, and we haven't even gotten there yet. So that's awesome. Thank you thank guys you for guys spreading the so word. Thank you guys so much. Thank you guys for the iTunes reviews. We did get three or four this week. Yes, love That it. really helps our show. Like I said, last week we got our first ranking. Uh, the iTunes ranking, so we were excited about that, and that's because of you guys. And what really helps those is spreading the word and iTunes reviews, and it doesn't cost anything to do that. The iTunes reviews are free. If you could do that, it really helps the show. If you want to help the show uh, financially, you can buy our T-shirts. Go to our website, hillbillyhorrorstories.com. We've got about, I think, 15 on there now. They're cool designs. We ship them straight to you, and they're fairly priced, but we get a couple bucks off each one, so it helps the show that way. Or if you just want to send a dollar, two dollars, three dollars our way as a tip or something, as a one-time thing, uh, there's a donate button on the website as well, and that helps us out too. If you like what you're hearing, it helps us offset our costs. We're not trying to get rich off this by any means. No, uh, and if you can't afford it. it, if you can't afford it, please don't. I don't want your money if you if you need it for important stuff. But if you got a few extra dollars and you want to send a dollar to our way, hey, we're all for it. Well, honestly, we probably should pay you guys the way I'm not really talking that Spanish very well. <laughs> when I have a twang, it doesn't come out as good. So I'm going to try to work on that a little bit I better. I could have tried it. Oh, donde estar mijitos. Well, that was good. Remember, I used to uh, I used to watch I used to get most of my Spanish from Speedy Gonzalez cartoons. Oh man, I and I remember I remember one time. Uh, there was these these mice. They were standing outside like of a ship, and the one mouse went over and he's like, oh, "I'm starving." And the one mouse went, "Well, don't starve all over me." <laughs> <laughs> that was the extent of my Spanish. Now, see, one those those were the good cartoons and back I, then. I remember one mouse came over and said, "Hey, have you ever give you my sister for a piece of cheese?" <laughs> my sister. That was pretty good. That's pretty good. Well, that was pretty good for cartoons. I well, would think most yeah. Hispanics say, "I don't talk like that." Well, I'm sure they don't. I'm sure. They- <laughs> Everybody talks a lot better, that's for sure. So, but that was working the good old days. So. Well, guys, thank you so much for listening, and uh, we will see you next week. Bye, guys. They would like to thank you folks for kindly dropping in. You're all invited back next week to this locality to have a heaping helping of their hospitality. Hillbilly, that is. Y'all come back now. Here.